Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey, heroes. November is right around the corner, and that means conventions. Too many conventions, in fact. I'll be at three in a row, starting with Metatopia. Metatopia is a network favorite, and this year runs from November 2nd through the 5th in Morristown, New Jersey. I'll be doing one panel about actual plays and game design and the evolution of that relationship with James Malloy of the Stop Hack and Roll podcast, Senda Leno of She's a Super Geek, and James D'Amato of OneShot. I think most of the OneShot network will be at Metatopia. The following weekend, November 9th through the 12th, is a catacon in Dayton, Ohio. Run by the good folks of the RPG Academy, there's going to be lots of nerds and podcasters and games. November 16th through the 19th is PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and this is a new con, so I don't know what to tell you all yet. Hopefully it's a blast, and if you plan to be at any of those conventions, definitely say hi. This week I talked to John Wick of John Wick Presents about their new project, Seventh Sea Katai. Seventh Sea returned triumphantly a few years ago with a second edition and is now expanding its heroic stories to analogs of Eastern and Pacific countries. John and I talk about the Eastern and Western hero tropes and what went into broadening Seventh Sea's horizons. Let's get to the show. So this week I'm joined by John Wick to talk about the Seventh Sea expanding to new shores with their current Kickstarter, Seventh Sea Kitai. Uh, hey, John. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Uh, would Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Maybe uh, other projects that heroes might know you from? Well, let's see. Uh, I got my start in the industry working on Legend of the Five Rings. I was the uh, I was in charge of the story elements, the world building, and the characters and things. And uh, my big thing was the uh, was the Clan War and the Scorpion Coup. Those are my storylines. And then uh, after that, we uh, we did Seven C for AEG. And uh, after that, I left AEG and started working uh, in the video game industry, uh, which I will never do again. And oh, uh, it, it, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a place. It's a place. And then after that, I started making my own games. I, games like Orc World and Houses of the Blooded and a little game that Ken Height calls my, my best work, which is Cat, uh, which is a game about house cats protecting their owners from monsters that they can't see. <sighs> Yes. And then uh, uh, doing a whole bunch of things, just like, I, I have like 26 games or something like that to my credit. So, oh, um, awesome. And then uh, two years ago, I launched the Kickstarter for 7th C 2nd Edition, and it, like, changed my life. It, it, it completely changed how I make games and everything. So it's, uh, and now we're expanding it out to, uh, like you said, to different shores. Yeah. That's, that is awesome. I, I do want to talk then a bit about Seventh uh, Sea as it was a couple years ago, um, and and I suppose even before that, since the first edition came out in what ninety nine ish. That's right. Cool. So so it's been around, and then a couple two years ago was the second edition, and that like broke records on Kickstarter, which is bananas. And uh, just at Gen Con, I know you guys picked up a couple of Ennies and some other awards. I know I, I saw that happen. Um, and, and we haven't talked about 7C at all on Modifier. So I think we need to we build some build some foundation here so we all know what we're talking about before we go and change it a bit. So if, <laughs> if you would help me do that, that would be awesome. So um, so 7C, what is, what is 7C about? It is a, well, it's a, the, <laughs> that, that's a trick question. Um, <laughs> Seventh uh-huh. Sea is about what it means to be a hero. It, it's it's always been a part of my of my uh, uh, game design philosophy is asking that question because to me, role playing games are about playing heroes or or playing villains. It's you know that as the vampire game should be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, with Seventh uh, Sea, it's a swashbuckling game. It takes place in a, a place called Thea, which is very similar to our Europe, and. And it's essentially the Princess Bride meets the Three Musketeers meets Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and uh, because of that, we have we have Musketeers, we have Pirates. It's the Golden Age of Piracy. It's it's when Dumas' D'Artagnan books take place. It, it's it's also the birth of secret societies Ooh. and espionage. So all of those things kind of converge on on this century. And because of that, I felt it was a really exciting time to to place a role playing game, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Also, uh, another important part of it was that uh, I co-designed it with uh, my wife at the time, uh, Jennifer, and it was a game really about about feminism, and uh, that was a, a, one of the the, the covert uh, themes in the in the book, mainly because we thought at the time if we directly addressed it, it would completely turn people off. Hmm. And so there's an underlying uh, theme in the original game, uh, which is about feminism and hmm. and placing it in the 17th century. And and so that's really what the original 7C was about. Is that theme like in the narrative or, or how do you, how is it expressed? Uh, well, for instance, one, each of the nations is a, is an allegory for a, a real nation. So we have England and France and Italy, but in 7C, they're Avalon, Montaigne, and Vadace. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to do was uh, I wanted to take the idea of the monarch of, of England is the reincarnation of Arthur. Because mm-hmm. I love the Arthur myth. Oh, yeah. But instead of making it King Arthur, we made it Queen Elaine. So if you take the Arthur myth and you change the gender of, of Arthur into a woman, mm-hmm. what does that mean for the Arthur myth? How does that change things? How does it address things? The fact that Arthur, King Arthur, has a bastard son. Well, what happens if we give Queen Elaine a bastard daughter? And and what happens when Mordred, you know, what happens to the Mordred character when you do that, especially with a woman, as opposed mm-hmm. to as, as opposed to Arthur has an affair, has a, well... Arthur is seduced by by one of the by one of the pagan queens. Mm-hmm. Well, how does how do we address that with Queen Elaine? Yeah, and and so that was one of the uh, that was one of the uh, the ways that we did that. Also with uh, with Vodace, uh, this is Vodace is really Jennifer's baby. Vodace is our fake Italy, and it's it's really Machiavellianism gone mad. And one of the ways we did that is we said that the women, there is sorcery in the world. There is magic in the world. But in Vodace, the sorcery is only, it's, it's matriarchal. It's, it's only passed through from, from mother to daughter. Mm. So the men have no magic. Okay. And, and so what happens when that happens in the 17th century? Well, then if, if, you're, if you're a woman, you're found to have the gift. You are kept illiterate and stupid. They, they don't allow you to read. They don't allow you to learn how to count nothing. Hmm. The only thing you can do is the sorcery, and you, the only thing you learn how to be is obedient. Hmm. And so with that whole that whole setting there, then the question becomes, what does it mean to become a hero or to be a hero in Vodace? And, of course, there's a whole underground railroad of people sneaking uh, women who have the gift out of Vodace hmm. and trying to overthrow the the seven merchant princes who run the country, and so that was a whole theme in it as well. Oh man, that's so cool! I I didn't know um, most of this actually, and especially the the Arthurian part with it with it being Queen Elaine. I, I feel like I have to go um, update my my shopping cart now. I have some books to read. I'm very excited. <laughs> this is cool. So that's sort of the the lore of Seventh Sea, what it's based in. It sounds like a lot of the inspirations then for that were definitely like western heroes three musketeers princess bride Mm -hmm. that sort of thing so i want to talk a little bit just because i know we're going to get into it later with kitai just about the way the the game works mechanically briefly and so the first thing to note i guess is that the the heroes that you're playing like they start out awesome yeah and they just keep being awesome exactly (laughs) so uh, how, how does that work so the way it works is is I said something on one of my blog posts uh, before, just before we reacquired the rights to 7C, and it was that I am no longer interested as a game designer in random failure as a storytelling device. Mm. I'm just not interested because it's never fun. Yeah. Um, we have a rule in our house. We have one of our major house rules is that whenever we buy a new game, we go through the cards and the effects and we remove anything that says lose a turn. Because number one, lose a turn is just boring. It's 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 not it's it, it, it's a placeholder. You couldn't think of anything more clever, so you put in lose a turn. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's not fun. You know, congratulations, you get to not play the game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's awful. So we just took those out of the game. Then when it came time to design, uh, when I was thinking about role playing game design, I thought failure is the same thing. It's, you know, we're sitting at a table and everybody gets a turn. 
in, in the role-playing game for the round, right? And it comes to you, and, and you roll a one. Congratulations, you lose a turn. You don't get to do anything, you don't get to contribute anything, and you get to feel really bad because the rest of the group is in danger and you don't get to help. Mm-hmm. That's not fun. It's not, it, not only is it not fun, it's, it, it's not interesting. Uh, failure should be interesting. Failure should add to the plot. And it just doesn't. So what we did is we, when we started designing 7C, as I said, I don't want roles to determine if characters succeed or fail. I want roles to determine how well they succeed. And to create situations in the game where the players have, each player has one, two, three, maybe four actions they can take during, during a scene, mm-hmm. but they have to choose how they use their actions. So, for example, if you come into a, into a room, into a scene, in 7C, the way the, the, way the game system works is that the, play, the GM introduces the scene to the players. The players roll dice, and then they use their dice to change the scene. And what that means is that, um, I'll give you the scene for example, the room is on fire, because mm-hmm. it's a swashbuckling game, of course it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the villain is, is leaping out the window with the prince that you're trying to rescue who's been kidnapped. Uh, there's a letter from Queen Elaine that's a blackmail letter that you have to acquire that is dangerously close to the fire and is ready to to burn. Uh, there are guards who are shooting muskets at you from the balconies in the room. And there's a small group of servants who are cowering in the corner from the flames. And as a hero, you enter the room, you roll your dice, and you get to do three things. Each of these things is a consequence. If you don't deal with the letter, it's going to burn. If you don't deal with the guards, they're going to shoot you. If you don't deal with the with the servants, they're going to die in the fire. And if you don't handle the villain, he's going to escape with the prince. Mm-hmm. You get to pick three. Hmm. What are the three things that you do? And that's really what the game boils down to. It's not about success or failure. It's about how you use your successes. Fair and when players work together the game rewards them for it. It rewards them for cooperation. And uh, because of that, essentially, you get to do more things if you help other people do their things. And that's how the game works. That's that's what's going on in the game. Awesome. Oh, and also one important thing is that the game does reward you for failure, but you choose when you fail. So if you enter the room... Mm-hmm. Let's say you you're, you're trying to convince the uh, uh, there's a scene there's a scene in the game that I recently ran where one of the heroes had uh, fallen in love with the villain with the villainess and because uh, of course you do uh-huh. and so he was trying he was on the top of a, a parapet on a castle you know the part of the castle where the tower at the top and there's a moat way down below and he was trying to convince her trying to to he spent the whole game trying to convince her to become a hero as opposed to being a villain. Mm-hmm. And and he said at the beginning of the game that this is what I want to do. I want to I want to spend the whole game convincing the woman that I love that my love is true and my love will change her. Mm-hmm. And so it came to the last scene where she had a sword against his pointed at his chest and backing him towards the walls of the parapet mm-hmm. and he and he made this beautiful emotional monologue and it was you know it was it was really moving and and uh you know, and people were like, wow, that's really cool. And I said, okay, it's time to roll to see if if she believes you and she's going to give you a chance. And he said, no, I fail. Oh. And that's a mechanic in the game is before you roll dice, you can say, I fail. The game master rewards you with, you know, with hero points. And then the, the game master narrates the outcome of the scene. And so I said, right, she says, no, I don't believe you. And she stabbed him through the stomach and kicked him off the castle and he fell into the you know fell off the off the castle wall and in the game you can't there's a rule that you can't die unless a villain kills you oh okay that's a rule in the game so you can be on a ship that explodes and you won't die you can be eaten by a sea monster and you won't die nice the only way to die is if a villain kills you and so when he said i fail and i said and she stabs you and kicks you off the whole the rest of the group screamed they were no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to happen. And he plummeted. And and that was a wonderful moment because the, the rest of the group was so emotionally invested in that character's success that his failure broke all of their hearts. 
Yeah. And uh and that was uh that was a wonderful moment. And that's that's an example of why we use failure as as a narrative tool and put it in the player's hands so the players can choose when their characters fail at really important dramatic moments. Oh, that's so good. I'm not even there and I'm emotionally invested. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um thank you. That definitely gives us some groundwork to go from here. So you're being awesome. You're being uh, one of the musketeers or you're, you know, you're a pirate. And all of these stories in, in Seventh Sea, these heroes, these hero stories, they're, they're pretty typically Western or European. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of us know kind of instinctually what that means, what, what a, you know, what makes a hero or a hero story. Um, but how would you explain like the, the Western hero? Well, typically... And and these are all archetypes, and and archetypes are are like stereotypes. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly true, but they're not exactly false, right? And so, for a Western hero, the Western hero's role is to break the rules. The Western hero's role is to, you know, Percival is is the great Western hero example in that in that he's the 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 Arthurian knight who's told, you know, you can't do this. Mm-hmm by all of the figures of authority, all of his life. And he breaks the rules. He says, no, I can do this. I can do this. And, and, and does and demonstrates that he can. Um, one of the, uh, the, the historical figures and literary fig- and who turned into a literary fig- figure was uh, Veronica de Franco, uh, who was a real courtesan in, uh, in Venice from the terribly named mu- movie, Dangerous Beauty, just awful name, but, but really fun film. And, Again, she's a she's a person who who is told this is your place in life, and she redefines it. She she makes it her place because because she is smart and because she is witty and because she's clever and and all of these things. So she breaks rules and does things that that other people say cannot be done, and that is the Western hero. The Western hero demonstrates to authority that it's old and wrong and doesn't understand the world the way it really is. That's what the Western hero's role is. Okay. The Eastern hero, on the other hand, is a very different character in that the Eastern hero has a role to play in the world. If the world is a huge machine, Mm -hmm. the Eastern hero is a part in that machine. And the Eastern hero's heroic role is to subdue her ego to fulfill her role. So while everyone is telling the Eastern hero what she should do, she feels the desire to break out of that mold and say, no, I am going to do this other thing. I'm going to be my own thing. Mm -hmm. But her heroic role is to do what she's told. Mm. And the longer that she denies that, 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 uh, uh, that calling, to be the the part of the machine that 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 makes it work, the more the rest of the machine suffers, and the the people that are close to her suffer because she has a part to play, mm-hmm. and that part is sometimes in and in, in a very real way is sometimes a thankless job. You know, uh, yeah. it's 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 the thankless job that no one appreciates, but is necessary to make the system work. And in hero stories, oftentimes that's the samurai who falls in love with with uh, the daimyo's wife. And we get that from Lancelot, right? Mm-hmm. And Lancelot is a hero because he follows his passion and he follows his love and he, he, he consummates his love with Guinevere. And even though that causes the downfall of Camelot, he's the hero because he should be following his heart. Mm-hmm. But the Western hero of the, of the daimyo or of the samurai in this case, will make it a, because it's going to be Katai and it's going to be, you know, uh, uh, it, women and men are going to have different roles than they did in, in 17th century Japan. The samurai falls in love with the daimyo's husband. And instead of following that passion, she's heroic that she doesn't follow that passion and follows mm. the, 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 the duty that she has sworn to the daimyo and and putting her in positions where that duty is questioned and challenged very hard but she maintains the promise that she made and 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 even at the even at the cost of her own happiness Man. 
because, you know, and that is the Eastern hero. And it's so interesting to me because I think that I, I agree with, with uh, a few uh, mythology scholars when they say that the, the big, the big disagreement between the East and the West is what does it mean to be a hero? Yeah. And because of that, when you, when you start to look at the role of, of a hero in the East, as opposed to the Western hero's role, it's very easy to see how the, the Chinese or the Japanese or think that we are incredibly selfish, self-centered people. Mm-hmm. And we look at, at the Japanese working 80 hour work weeks and you know, there's there's a word in Japanese for working yourself to death. Yeah, I just read that. Yeah. So, and we look at that and that that's crazy. Why why would yeah. you do that? And at the same time, the Japanese are looking at us going, you're lazy. Yeah. Why why wouldn't you do that? Why you wouldn't know? you do that? And and so the challenge is presenting the eastern hero to a western audience in a way that they understand that understand what that means. And I, I found when I wrote Legend of the Five Rings, it was really easy by saying they're essentially Arthurian knights. Samurai are, are Arthurian knights. Mm-hmm. They they make a vow to to you know at the round table to serve King Arthur above all other things, including their own desires. Mm-hmm. And when that becomes challenged, the question becomes: Well, what do you choose? Do you choose your own desires, or do you, do you choose your your service to Arthur? And and that question is never clear in the Arthur myths. Mm-hmm. And I also really like using the example of Luke Skywalker, who is kind of like an amalgam of both the Eastern and the Western hero, in that he has a specific role to play, mm-hmm. and that role is to defeat the Emperor. At least that's what everybody thinks. And in the second film, when he says, I have to go save my friends, and Yoda says, you can't go do that. Mm-hmm. If you go do that, you're going to ruin everything. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the Yoda is the Eastern sword master who's mm-hmm. telling his student, no, that's not your role. Your role is to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and everybody suffers because of it. He fails. He fails spectacularly. <laughs> and it's not until he actually confronts the emperor in the third film that he realizes what his role is. And it's a neat amalgam between the Eastern and Western hero because Luke knows what his duty is or what his, his job to do there is. Mm-hmm. His job is to redeem his father. And nobody else understands that. Everybody thinks, oh, you're supposed to kill your father. You're supposed to, because that's what Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. The light side wants you to, you know, or the dark side will forever dominate your destiny. And the light side wants you to sleep with your sister and kill your father. Mm-hmm. But Luke knows what his destiny is. He, he can sense it. He, he knows where it is. Nobody else does. And so he knows what his role is, is, is to fulfill his father's, or to redeem his father. So in a weird way, he's kind of like an amalgam of both. And, and that's really fascinating to me. Yeah, I like that example. I was just thinking that, that you couldn't be both, but, you know, then, then you pull up Luke Skywalker and yeah, I guess kind of you can. That's, hmm, I'll have to chew on that for a while. Uh, <laughs> Um, so when you, when you started Seventh Sea, were, was the Eastern hero on your radar at all for this game? Um, it was in, in that we knew that we wanted to do a supplement for the East. We wanted to do one of the, one of the source books for the East. Mm-hmm. But then Mark Diaz Truman, who's my business manager and I, uh, we, we looked at it and we went, you know, we could fill three source books on just China. Uh-huh. Right. So why don't we make it a separate line? It'll be a separate line that uses the same system and uh, and not in a in a cheap kind of way. Like there's stuff in the East that Mike Curry, our lead designer, has designed mm-hmm. that you can lift from the Katai source book and put in the Seventh Sea book if you want. Um, cool. Brute squads work, you know, this mechanic works a little bit differently in the East than it does in the West. And you can just pick it up and switch and, and you can switch them out if you want. So that was one of our goals to do that. But yeah, it's always been on my on my radar because I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. Personal interest from like doing working on Five Rings and stuff like that, or yeah, and it and also because I have a philosophy background and and <laughs> I uh, which mean you know you get a philosophy degree and your job is you know would you like fries with that? That's essentially what what your job is when you get a philosophy degree. Yeah, 
but to me, Eastern philosophy and, and Western philosophy and, and comparing and contrasting the two has always been really fascinating to me. So because because of the dichotomy of them, mm-hmm. and when, when I worked on Legend of the Five Rings, it was a chance to really explore that in a really deep, profound way. And it's been... I stopped working on L5R in 1999, 1998. Mm-hmm. So it's been almost 20 years since I explored that <laughs> territory. And I've learned a few things since then. So it's it's become a, uh, I want to, you know, I wanted to explore it again. And and, and not only that, but present 7C as, as the way I originally envisioned it. Yeah. And then present uh, the East using the same system, which is something that, we always wanted to do with Legend of the Five Rings and Seven Sea was was to to present them as part of the same world and using the same system. And now we get get kind of a, a way a chance to do that. Yeah. I, I I really like that it stands alone, kind of the other side of the same coin instead of uh as a supplement so that you can actually yeah, you can can look between the two. Making the changes for Kitai. How do you you know, it, it does use the same system, but there are some tweaks. I guess was it difficult to make the the initial seventh C system and it's and it's you know the way you build characters they've got traits and skills and those and, and you know everything that's on a character sheet that has been so steeped in the Western hero in those specific stories for so long was it difficult to bring that over to Eastern heroes to Kitai? Um, no, because I knew how to do it. I knew how <laughs> to. Uh, so in seventh C, one of the things that happens is that you get hero points. Mm-hmm. And you get hero points in 7C for acting like a Western hero, for for doing all the things that 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 we talked about. Mm-hmm. And on the character sheet, it actually has, it says, here is how you get hero points by acting in these ways, by making, when you are confronted with these choices, if you choose this, you will get hero points. Mm-hmm. And so you can choose not to do that, but you won't get the hero point for it. Sure. So one of the one of the, the ways that I knew off the bat, how to change to invoke the Eastern hero with the exact same system was simply to change how you got hero points. Mm. So again, when you're confronted with a choice, if you choose the, the Eastern hero's path, you will get the hero point. And if you don't, that's cool. You just won't get the hero point, but it's still your character. I'm a really big fan of, of you are the author of your character. Yeah. And so you get to make that choice. So, for example, in Seven C, there's there's an example of the hero who uh, there, there's a there's a thing called Star Crossed, which is when you fall in love with people that you shouldn't, you get a hero point. Which is when the example that I gave, I introduced the villain, and that one player said, "Oh, I'm I'm in, yep, I'm in." So he gets a hero point. For the East, it will be when you meet your true love, and you and you do not chase that. Yeah. Because it would conflict with your duty. That's when you get the hero point. And you so you still have the the romantic tension, you still have you know, that that story, but the focus is entirely different. Hmm. And so that's an example of of uh and, and there are some elements of the Western hero and the Eastern hero that are the same. Mm-hmm. They would both run into a burning building to save people. That that's that's an example of both you know of, of a heroic act on both sides. Mm-hmm. They would both do that. The question is why would they do that? Hmm. And and that's when things become very interesting. And what I'm really looking forward to is players taking uh, playing characters from Thea from Second Edition Seven C mm-hmm. at the same table as characters who are playing heroes from Katai. And when the daimyo dresses down the samurai and says blah 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 blah, and the Western hero says. What? Why do you take that? And the Eastern hero says, "You just don't understand, <laughs> right?" And so they can have that discussion, they can have that talk, mm-hmm. and they can sit at the table and practice philosophy. Essentially, it's like, what is the good life? What 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 is it that makes the world a better place? Well, the both of those people have different ideas about what makes the world a better place, and they can talk about them, and yeah. that's really interesting to me. Oh, absolutely. I would love to see that game. Was there ever a danger of changing it too much of, of Kitai changing or straying too far away from the original seventh C? Oh yeah. And one of our, one of our goals was, can we do this 
how, how can we do this with changing as little as possible? Mm. Because we didn't want it to be a different game. We want it to be the same game, but mm -hmm. through a different lens. So we went through the skill list because there's a set skill list of only about 18 skills. Mm -hmm. And we went, is this one appropriate to the East? Is this one appropriate to the East? And there were, uh, there was one circumstance where we felt it wasn't. And so we'd switched it out with something else, but otherwise the skill list is the same. Um, when we looked at the traits in 7C, you have five traits, which are brawn, finesse, resolve, uh, wits, and panache. And we felt those are very Western. So how are we going to, so do they fit in the East? And the answer was no, they don't. So Mike Curry and I went through the entire system and looking for a particular thing. And that thing was, is there anywhere in the game system where my character interacts with your traits? Hmm. And the answer was no, there's no place where that happens. So that meant we could switch out the traits. Nice. And, and if you like, and so what we did is we took seven, uh, we, we looked through all of the Eastern philosophy virtues of, you know, Buddhism and Confucianism and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we looked through all of them and we said, okay, what are the seven virtues of the East, of an Eastern hero? And so those are now the traits and you pick five of them that your character rep that your character uh, uh, essentially uh, believes in. Cool. So there are seven traits, and you pick five. And from there, you can have you. Can, and as a matter of fact, you can take that mechanic. If you like that mechanic, you can lift it and put it into Thea and replace the traits that are there. Um, if you like those more, and that was an a really good example of of uh, how to do that of how to, of one of the things that we did was we replaced the traits in, in Katai, but they still work the same way. They still give you dice, you know, they, 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 they still go from uh, two to five. So you can, you can, uh, uh, you can switch them out if you want and they still work. Oh, cool. Can you then, since, since they, these sheets are so compatible, can you play characters that kind of cross like a Thean character who behaves more like a Katai character uh, or, or vice versa? Is that something that players could do or that the narrative would support oh yeah uh, we and we look forward to it as well oh, the, nice. the whole idea of people saying hey let's play katai and you always have that one person mm -hmm. who's like can i play a westerner and you're like <laughs> uh <-huh>. yes <laughs> yes you can you know and, and 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 now there's a circumstance where the gm can legitimately say yes and as a matter of fact there's a there's there's 12 source books for it so here you go oh good have fun. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, so we got one uh, question on Twitter that I think this would be a good time to address. Red nine to five at dash dude was asking, is the campaign consulting people or experts on the real world cultures that they're adapting? Are the, I'm sorry, what was that? When, when you guys are making this system, uh, are you consulting people or experts on the real world cultures that you're adapting? Oh yeah. When we, when we did uh, Western 7C, we brought in experts for uh, for the colonies, which was mm -hmm. the, the North American native tribes. We did, we brought in experts, uh, archaeologists who are doing digs in South America to talk about the new, with the new world, which was the Aztecs, you know, and, 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 and all of that, that region, the Maya and the Inca. And, and so when, you know, we like literally people who are like, I can't work on the book this week. I have to go to a dig. <laughs> you know, and, coolest excuse <laughs> the coolest excuse ever and so so i don't know anything about south america or the, the native, native tribes of, of north america or, or anything like that mm -hmm. so we brought in people who did and and i am a big fan of the japanese proverb of being in charge of things which is which is hire competent people and then let them do their job mm -hmm. so for example the only time that i saw the the uh uh, the new world was when the text was done and was sent to me. Oh wow! Because I trust Danielle and Mark and and Marissa and people to who have been developing books for us that they understand what Seven C is about mm -hmm. and how to convey that because they've read the books and they've talked to me and 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 I will look at the text and very often I'll be like, "This is great. I just need you to change this, this, and this, this, these little things." But other than that, this is fantastic. And because of that, we the the books have had very different voices, and I wanted that for Seven C. I wanted it to be this plurality of different, diverse voices. Cool. Um, 
So, you know, and that was a lot of fun because we, we had people from way across the spectrum working on these books about people that are being portrayed sometimes for the very first time as heroes in, in, in the game industry. Yeah. Uh, so when we started talking about Kitai, it was absolutely a requirement that we have people who knew what they were talking about. Um, I've done a lot of research on Japan, and I I think I have a very firm grasp on on how a heroic 17th century Japan would work. Mm-hmm. But we still have uh, James Mendes, uh, who's just fantastic in that he has this encyclopedic knowledge. <laughs> And so we can talk about things and, and we can discuss things. And, and uh, we have this big conflict mm-hmm. about katanas. Oh, God. <laughs> and so we've had the katana oh, debate, oh, right? Of and, course. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he is on the side of the, you know, katanas are a fetish and blah, blah, blah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, they are. And, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that fetish. Okay. <laughs> So it's it's you know it it's been a lot of fun to have those discussions about how Katai is going to be presented, and not just Japan, but also China and Korea. We're going to be doing hero, you know a, a heroic swashbuckling version of seventeenth-century Korea, which I, I knew nothing about, but I knew I wanted to do because I knew there was a lot there that had never been been plumbed, mm. and. Uh, having people who know about that area and that that region and those people at that time is really exciting to me because I get to learn about it too. Yeah. So that's one of the things we've been doing. Excellent. So it sounds like uh, is it mostly getting people who are writers who also know this these um, areas of expertise, or, or is there also like um, the only term that's coming to mind is is sensitivity reader, but that's uh, not exactly what I mean. Um, <laughs> Do you mean like a consultant? I, I suppose, yeah, just just somebody to to take a look over it for you and go, oh, this th- th- these facts actually. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, actually, yeah, <laughs> get a couple of those emails. <laughs> yeah, cool. and and you know, and part of the challenge has always been that Seven C, the world of Terra, which is the the whole name for the whole world, is not Earth, mm. right? And and uh, Montaigne is Alexander Dumas, France. Ooh. It is not the historical France. It's the it's it's France the way that Dumas saw it. And England is not the England of 1668. There is no Charles II, but there is a restoration and Queen Elaine is the is the monarch. And so we get to to essentially pluck uh Elizabeth I out of the 15th century and put her in the 16th century because I felt she was a more interesting character than than Charles was who was really just kind of extravagant and boring. <laughs> um, but, but at the same time, you know, Elizabeth was, was such a fascinating uh, monarch in that, in that she started with nothing yeah, and created the greatest empire in the world mm-hmm. and, and the way she did it. And, and the woman that she was, was so much more interesting to me than, than so, so we did this completely unhistorical thing <laughs> and put, Elizabeth in the 17th century and then made her King Arthur. Nice. So, so a lot of it is, is like, it's, it's not, I'm, I'm not interested in historical accuracy at all. I'm more interested in cultural authenticity. And so one of the, and and it's, it's difficult to explain that to some people, uh, Mm -hmm. to some people. Yeah. Uh, hmm. you know, and that, that, well, the, you know, historically, this was. I said I'm not interested in any sentence that begins with historically. Mm-hmm. And so, one of like when Mendez and I talk about uh, Japan and we talk about katanas, I'm like, the Seven Samurai don't carry around spears. That's just not what they do. They carry around swords. Yeah. And and Toshiro Mifune, you know, it, it, it did not carry around a spear in Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. And it's not called Spear of Doom. It's called Sword of Doom. <laughs> And yes, I mean, historically, the katana was not this thing that people used, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm more interested in, in, in portraying the literature than I am the thing. So we actually have a solution for the katana problem that I'm very <laughs> proud of. Uh, and, uh, and people will see what that, that solution is when we get there. Because okay. I think it's very fun to discover it and, and, what we, uh, and what we did. Oh, cool. I'll look forward to that. How... 
I guess, this kind of ties in, I guess. And how, how do you balance making these worlds realistic but cohesive without being too stereotypical? Or do you just lean full into the stereotypes? Well, we, we do lean into the stereotypes, but at the same time, we want to have them be positive stereotypes. We want them to be role models. Cool. And I think that role models are... Uh, one of my favorite writers once said, I'm no longer interested in heroes. I, I, I'm, I'm much more interested in role models. And, and I really, I, I, I was kind of a little, I understood that, but at the same time I was a little disappointed because I think that heroes are role models mm-hmm. and that they have the virtues that we admire and they have the vices that we share. Yeah. And when a hero fails because of their vices, we, we feel that because we have the same vices. We understand why they would do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's the reason that horror movies work and don't work. It's mm-hmm. it's when uh, Alien works as a horror movie because the 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 protagonists in that the the astronauts in that do everything that's smart, mm-hmm. and then everything goes wrong anyway, and that's scary because you go, oh, that's really smart. I would totally do that, and then it doesn't work, and you go, oh, I would be dead now, mm-hmm. and that's how horror movies work. It's when people in horror movies do stupid things that we go, why are you doing that? And you completely break the suspension of disbelief because you're like, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. And so you lose complete sympathy for the for the protagonist in a horror movie at that point. Mm-hmm. But when the hero has a flaw that not only we do, do we understand, but we share, then you completely understand why the hero made that choice. And you know the consequences coming and that's when you have that moment of catharsis, when you feel what the hero feels. Yeah. And for me, that's... So leaning into stereotypes is, for me, is is interesting because I think heroes are stereotypes. They're, they're not stereotypes, they're archetypes. Mm. Right? And archetypes have archetypal virtues and archetypal flaws. And because of that, we're able to start with this mostly blank sheet and then impose things onto them that the blank spots, we fill the blank spots ourselves. And I think that that's what makes heroes interesting is they start as archetypes, but as the story progresses, they become more and more, you you know, that those blanks start to fill in. Yeah. And then there's a point at which there's no more place to color. And that's when the hero, the hero story is done. Mm. Um, you know, unfortunately, Hollywood hasn't figured this out yet. Or comic books either. Yeah. You know, it's the 675th issue of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, there's no more place to color here. But we can reboot him. Uh. Yeah, we'll reboot him and so he'll be brand new and we can redo him. And like, oh. Oh. Uh. Well, uh, and I definitely want to make sure we talk, talk about the Kickstarter a little bit before we close out. And there were... Um, a couple questions there. Dietmer Bomer had a couple of questions that I think we answered some of them actually, but they'd like to know, uh, is Kitai setting taking place at the same time as Thea? And it sounds like yes. Yes, it absolutely is. Same year, 1668. Awesome. Uh, they're asking about the, the traits, which I think we covered traits and virtues. Uh, and they'd also like to know a little bit more about the magic. So magic in Kitai is not the same as magic in Thea. Magic in Thea is largely passed down from bloodline to bloodline. The Montaigne magic is, the Vedace magic is, mm-hmm. um, and the the parts that aren't are magical deals that you make with supernatural creatures, sometimes uh, beneficent and sometimes malevolent. Mm-hmm. And and again, that's like the the uh, the Sarmatian Commonwealth, uh, which is the analog for Poland and Lithuania. Mm. The Polish uh, folk hero is the most popular Polish folk hero is is a hero who makes deals with devils and then tricks them. <laughs> and so when we did the, the sorcery for for the Sarmatian Commonwealth, it was about making deals with uh, with with devils and then beating them at the at the at the deal. Nice. So they're all very Western. They're the the the, the idea of sorcery is very Western. Eastern magic is is much different in that it is more about in Fuso, which is our analog for Japan, about the kamoi, which is uh, the Ainu version of the word kami, and that's high high flute and talk. But anyway, mm. 
Um, and the kami are nature spirits. And you speak to the nature spirits and you ask them to do things for you. And mm. how you how you do that is you, you don't so much command them. Yeah. Because you're talking to a storm. Mm-hmm. You're talking to the wind. You're talking to the earth. Right. And so you can't. You, you can't command things, you beseech them. And so it involves a certain amount of humility. Mm-hmm. It involves a certain amount of, of uh, what's the right word? Uh, uh, you know what? Humility is the right word. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that alone is going to make uh, Katai very different. Mainly because there's only a couple, there's only really like three kinds of sorcery. And they're magic. They're not sorcery. They're, they're mysticism mm-hmm. in Katai. And changing the word from sorcery to mysticism should give people a sense of, of how it's going to be different. Yeah. But there's really only going to be three kinds. And each nation has its own approach to each of those three kinds of mysticism. So in Fuso, the elemental spirits are called Kamoi. And the Fusoese deal with them in, in certain ways. If you go across the water to, to Han, you're going to be dealing with with elemental spirits in a very different way. And they may even be different kinds of elemental spirits because the elemental circle in Japan is not the same as the elemental circle in China and, and, uh, in Korea. And so you may get emptiness or void spirits in Fuso, but they don't exist in, 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 uh, in our analog of China or, or, or Korea. Instead, they have metal spirits. Mm. Because the elemental wheel is different. Yeah. So that's an example of... And, and so each of the nations is going to have its own viewpoint on those three types of sorcery. And, uh, and one of them is elementals. The other one is, uh, is ancestry. In other words, my great-great-grandfather was a dragon. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that means something. And then the third one I'm going to leave a secret so people can find out later. But that's that, that's, that's cool. an example of of the three of of two of the three sorceries that we're going to have. Nice, thank you. That's very yeah. cool. Um, oh, and I should say they're going to work. They are probably going to work exactly <laughs> the same way as sorcery in Thea. That is, you have a thing on your sheet, you spend a hero point, and it does it. Cool. And that's per- probably how it's going to work. There's not going to be any dice rolls involved. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, and then the Kickstarter campaign so uh, is has already started at this point that yep. we're recording uh, and should still be going when heroes are listening to this episode. Um, what do we need to know about that? Um, you need to go to Kickstarter and look for Kitai or 7C, uh, K-H-I-T-A-I, or just look for me. Uh, and we are currently... As I'm looking at the page right now at 139,000. Yeah, that's awesome. So funded. Uh, excellent. Yeah. And and it's so funny. I feel a lot like like Alanis Morissette. Oh. Uh, which is which is her first album did you know did this amazing number of sales mm-hmm. right just you know quadruple quintuple platinum blah 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 mm-hmm. and our second Kickstarter or her second album was only platinum. <laughs> You know, it's like we are already in the top 10 of uh, or top 20 of role playing games, mm-hmm. you know, with 139,000. And I was like, well, it's not a million. Yeah. I'm like, it wouldn't, it would never be a million. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a million. Yeah. So, uh, there's still time. There's still time. And also, we're very, I mean, we're really proud. It's, it's, it's doing really, really well. Yeah. And, uh, the, our backers are very excited about it. We have, we have the most polite backers. Oh. It's really <laughs> I love that. It's it's really nice and and our backers are so are so thoughtful about the way they ask questions mm-hmm. and they they you know and and they want things and 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 we were you know and we're we're very happy to talk to them and 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 you know and things like that. And so, you know, meeting my backers at Gen Con and, and different conventions is always great because they're always so grateful mm-hmm. and and it's like no i'm i'm the one who's grateful <laughs> yeah everybody just loves each other yay good awesome that that link will absolutely be in the show notes uh, and and on our twitter so folks can find that um it looks like there's several stretch goals that are already being unlocked for more more books more good things 
Um, so I yep, indeed. can't even imagine where we're going to be at when this episode comes out, actually. But um, lots of cool stuff to look at. John, is there anything else we should know about Kitai or Seventh Sea? Just that it is going to be... It's been 20 years since I worked on Legend of the Five Rings. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to expand L5R out to China and, and the mainland, uh, mainland Asia. Mm-hmm. And I never had the chance to do that. And in those 20 years, I've learned a lot about, about all of those things. And I'm really, really excited to dive back into those waters and really, you know, have a voice in that, in that, re- in that territory again. Yeah. And it's been it's been a lot of fun exploring that territory with brand new people, you know, with our writers and and having, you know, really healthy, positive, constructive debates about how to approach things. Awesome. And and about how to present them. And it's it's going to be one of the things that I'm most proud of. That's wonderful. And where can we find you online? I am at uh, johnwickpresents.com. Okay. I think um, there is a John Wick Presents uh, Facebook page. If you want to follow me on Twitter, um, my Twitter account is Wicked Thought. Okay. And if you do follow me, be be prepared. I have uh, very unorthodox uh, views on gaming and politics Uh-oh. and science and religion and things. So uh, just be prepared. <laughs> We've been warned. You've been warned. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. This was awesome. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Huge thanks again to John for chatting with me and for telling me all of the right cool lore stuff to get me hooked. The Katai Kickstarter and John's links are in the show notes. Just recently, I was interviewed by Willem Vanderhorst for his podcast, Ice Cream for Everyone, where we had a nice chat about games and magical girls and snacks, which are probably my top three favorite things. I have a link to that as well, so if for some reason you want to hear me talk more than I usually do, go give it a listen. That's it for this week, heroes. You can find Modifier mostly on Twitter at Modifier Podcast. We also have a Tumblr, Facebook, and G+, with varying levels of upkeep success, all under the same Modifier Podcast name. You can email me directly with questions, comments, or show suggestions at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is a proud member of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts that include shows like OneShot, Campaign, Backstory, Adventure, Neo Scum, System Mastery, and Talking Tabletop. One Shot is an actual play podcast where host James D'Amato leads a rotating cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds through a variety of role-playing games. Every month, One Shot plays a new game with a new cast of players. Find out more about all these shows at OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>